regardless of the deta- the attachment that happened, you were unshakable that week because you just took moment to moment and you saw it from this trained mind, which the trained mind just sees everything in its pristine state, that this is what's happening right now. The untrained mind sees it, attaches an emotion, and then blows it up. And I'm working, I'm working more and more on it. It's becoming more and more solid. And I feel like it can transcend anything. Any brick wall that appears, I'll be able to get over it, around it, or through it. And I guess that's the confidence I've been working That was Beej and me, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, lucky number 13. I'm coming to you today from the Dacha Project in Freeville, New York a sustainable community living homestead where five people are currently growing their own food, harnessing the power of the sun to light their home and heat their water while playing Airbnb host to their guest, us, who get to stay in the adorable straw bale cottage on property. We've been essentially sleeping and hanging out in the cottage and using the common house for our kitchen, Wi-Fi, and showering needs. This is right up our alley, and we're learning so much, and I think we're going to come out of this saying that we are down with sharing space with like-minded folks. Last night, the Dacha Project hosted an in-house classical guitar concert. We got to mingle with some of the locals and feel the strength of connection and community. It was a beautiful night, and in watching the musicians open up to share their gifts... I saw bravery, vulnerability, and joy. And I realized that it doesn't matter what we follow in this life. What matters is if we don't follow it because we're not willing to be brave, vulnerable, or to feel joy. And I lived that for a long time, and now I'm living the opposite. And I have to say that it requires all of those things, but it's more beautiful than you could ever have imagined. And that doesn't mean that we won't be without challenge. It's just a question of if we're awake and ready for it. And in today's show, you're definitely going to hear some major vulnerability and bravery and challenge and joy as we don't just dive in, we open. We go over, around, and through the action of detachment regarding BJ's quote-unquote unexpected turn of events at Ironman Lake Placid. All I have to say is listen up. I have never heard my husband speak from such an open and vulnerable space, a space that is truly the premise of strength. This conversation is one that you are not going to want to miss. But first, I want to congratulate YT Tribe member Vinny, the winner of our July giveaway with Zeal Optics. This guy will now be exploring more and taking his super coolness to a new level with his new Coda sunglasses. When he received word of his win, he replied to us, this is so great. I get to listen to a great podcast, literally listening right now to Brittany talk about her pink cap racing away and win a pair of kick-ass shades. So it's a win-win. You guys keep listening in. And today I get to announce our awesome August giveaway. Are you ready for this? The winner of this month's giveaway better be ready to have the comfort of their life changed forever because we are giving away a free pair of UFOs sandals. That's right. Some lucky YT is going to be feeling the ooh. Here's the deal. All you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes and you'll be entered to win. These shoes are changing the way feet live, feel, and breathe biomechanically engineered to alleviate the foot stress and soreness caused by your daily grind or training routine. So get to iTunes and leave that review. Now on to the show. All right, Mark is down, ready to podcast. So why don't you fill everyone in on what happened to you? What happened? What the hell happened? I got hit hard. So for those here's for those out there, here's a little recap of what happened. Um, We're up in Lake Placid, training for Ironman Lake Placid, and we've been there for about five weeks. And leading into the race, 
the Sunday night, Monday, prior to Iron Man, we were camping at North Pole Resorts, and I came down with something in my stomach. I don't know what it is, still don't know what it is, but it wreaked havoc on my system. And I could not eat food and have it stay inside. I was constantly having to go to the bathroom. So I'll keep the details out, but it was... It was pretty much like involuntary. Yeah, it was coming out, yes, pretty hard, pretty often. About as fast as you wanted to run that marathon at IMLP. Yes. (laughs) It was coming out at about a, what, 7.15 pace. (laughs) So... In this time of craziness, uh, we went through Monday night in the campsite, and then Tuesday morning, I woke up and we had this idea to check into the hotel because things were a little bit extreme. So we checked into the hotel for the remainder of the days leading into Ironman. And although that helped having a bathroom nearby, the symptoms kept getting worse. So I had to uh, check into the the local um, urgent care just to get tested and that didn't really solve anything. No, but so they're throwing words at you like E. coli and Giardia, which is, you know, that's a parasitic infection. So, um, and then it didn't help that I pulled up the Google image of Giardia and was pointing out the fact that it looked like they had faces. And, Forever imprinted on my mind now. Yeah, so I mean, how were you feeling in, in that moment when they were talking about these conditions that really would have warranted like antibiotic use or I mean we probably would have reached researched it but what we were hearing was that you know you can't just let them ride that they're going to continue to live and then of course we're starting to hear stories about people who have parasites for years because once something that like E. coli and Giardia start getting out there and you know through the rumor mill Everybody likes to share their story about how this person had parasites for six years. So you're feeling awful. And then you actually rode your bike to urgent care because we didn't want to lose our parking spot at the Northwoods Hotel. To get IV. That was yeah, but of- also to test out kind of how you were feeling. Yeah. Because we were you were three days out from the race and we were keeping the dream alive. And Thursday was the first day literally that you could stand up and start to eat anything. Is that correct? That's Thursday? Correct. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday was. And so, I was eating white rice. like Which we never eat. White rice. Right. So how are you feeling when they started throwing those kind of terms at you? Because those are serious illnesses that yeah. really would have taken you out of the race, no question. Yeah, I didn't know what to think, actually, because it, it was there was just a lot of things going on. And I didn't know. I started to think about the sources. Was it the water? I was drinking at the campsite. Was it swimming in Mirror Lake? Are, are all these athletes going to get it because they're swimming in Mirror Lake? What is in my stomach right now and how am I going to get rid of it? And what what is it? What is it was probably the biggest thing because the doctors didn't know and they could not give me an antibiotic until they knew exactly what it was. There was one antibiotic for Giardia, I guess, and one antibiotic for E. coli. You know, there's specific ones to treat these. And I don't even know if I wanted antibiotics because at that point, it wasn't going to get me ready in time for plastic. This is Thursday, Friday. So we're talking two, three days before the race. Right. And the thing about antibiotics, um, although I do think they're necessary in some in some cases, I think they're ridiculously overprescribed and taken without the caution that really should be taken because they wipe out your microbiome. They just wipe it out. They wipe out the bad bacteria. They wipe out the good bacteria. So it's a huge rebuilding process anytime you take an antibiotic. So it was just layering on like these heavy diagnoses plus really intense medication while we're still trying to keep the dream alive, you know, and, and just remaining positive and, and keeping the vision while accepting what's happening. So why don't you go back and tell them kind of why this not only was a punch in the face, but it was really like a couple kidney punches too. Like what was like the real thing Kicker. that, yeah, that really layered it on um, so that it was even more quote unquote unbelievable that it was happening. So leading into the selling of our house and this whole Ride the High Vibe tour, we started thinking about 
or I did at least, wanting to come up to Placid and spend a few weeks to train on the course, absorb the community, feel the vibe, and really dive into it. And then when I sort of set that intention, because I think I might have mentioned it to you and you were maybe saying, you know, if that's what you want, set the intention for that to happen. And it happened. We sold our, we learned about selling our house and we're going to go right straight to Placid and spend all the weeks leading up to Placid training. I could train on the course. I, I was sleeping basically right on the bike course. The conditions were extremely perfect. I didn't have a job to go to. I could train and and continue to build this um, yogi triathlete business, coaching and um, working with new athletes. Everything was in line and we were up here. Everything was going smoothly. You know, I was learning flexibility, flexibility of uh, changing up my training routine, sitting at the campsite, doing spins on my trainer, or um, swimming in the lake w- for for six straight weeks, not in a swimming pool. Like these are all new to me. And so it, it's funny to look back, right, at hindsight because when you look back at the path, it always makes so much sense. So you say that you were learning flexibility, but what you were really practicing. Um, because we were challenged every day just jumping into this new life. Like we really, like everything we do, we just jumped right in. You were learning to detach from this routine that you had and, um, you know, detaching from swimming in a pool and using your paddles and your swim buoy and doing like your Tower 26, is it Tower 26? Tower 26 workouts. You were detaching from... um doing your workouts first thing in the morning because sometimes you weren't getting on the bike till six or seven o'clock at night, depending on weather, depending on the needs of Clark, depending on the needs of your athletes. So you were, it was like the universe was prepping you for detachment, but we were seeing these challenges every day. And we talked about these challenges and um, it's funny how the mind works. Like when you're in a challenge, it's like, you just think like, okay, that's it. That's kind of the cap of the challenge. But when you and I actually really know, because we're on the spiritual path, what we really know is that everything's just preparing you for something bigger. It's just, when is that something bigger coming? And then even when you get to the something bigger, you know that it's preparing you for something bigger. And you don't know what that something bigger is. Yes. You just don't know. Or, And I had, I thought I knew, I guess I was going into the future a little bit and planning things out and saying, I'm going to have a great race. You were super fit, and I and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that visualization and setting the intention. That's so important. But something happens, and it happens without us even knowing, and it happened to you, and it happened to me as well, just seeing, um, seeing this intention. And that was we were becoming attached to you racing Ironman Lake Placid. I mean, you were super fit, really healthy, stress-free, rolling with the punches. And um, I, we both just saw this race so clearly. This was going to be the stars aligned for you race. So in that vision, the thing that we, that we did was we attached to what we thought was going to happen. Would yeah. you say that's correct? I, yeah, absolutely. That's correct. That we, but I didn't know it in the moment. No, rarely do we. Right, but I'm obviously working on myself and working through meditation and trying to be aware and detachment. And and even though I'm working on all those things, I'm still blind to what was happening. Right. You know, externally, you know? Right. If that makes sense. Right. So six weeks of, um, well, at this point, it's about five weeks of just pristine training on the course in the lake on the bike course on river road river road so much time on river road up and down and really loving river road and i heard a lot of athletes uh on race day or after race day and they did not like they don't like that stretch and i really somehow brought myself to really love that stretch of the course and you keep saying to me all i wanted to do was what run river road during the race. During the race. Yeah. So, okay, so bring us up to speed. So you got smacked with, um, you said a little bit, I think you said a little bit, of, you got smacked with something super violent in your body. It was crazy. And 
and you were kind of like, how and what and why? And um, do you remember what I said to you about that? I said, you can try and figure out the how and the why all you want. But what's happening is that you're working out some karmic pattern. Like you're working out karma. This is what happens. Everything is energy when we don't deal with it or something that we brought into this world. We don't deal with it. It manifests eventually into the physical. So yours manifested really intense, really fast, to release it. So the mind, the human mind, it wants to know. It wants to know the how, the why, the when. But if everything is energy, all that is, is a leakage of vital energy. It's a leakage. It's, um, that's all it is. It's a, it's a waste. So it's like, it's balancing what's happening in your body and then seeing the craziness of the mind. And so how did you deal with all of that? So I just want to backtrack on you know, the efforts I made during that week, because I was thinking about why, but I was also absorbing myself into eating the white rice, drinking the peppermint tea, taking ginger, the peppermint um, drops into my drinking water and just continually hydrating. And what was the, before you even started that, you were doing something else you had read online. Uh, What was it? Uh, Bananas, rice, applesauce, and oh, electrolytes. You were drinking Gatorade. You were getting in what you could, but it, the fact of the matter is it was just sliding right through you. Yeah, there was no, <laughs> it was not holding in. And I I think I kept telling you, I slept in the bathroom last night. Like I was on the floor in the bathroom, curled up. And I can really understand people now that have you know, problems like this and they talk about it. I did not know what to do. I, I mean, I would go lay on the couch because I didn't want to disturb disturb you sleeping and we, we were lucky to have two two rooms in the hotel i was back and forth to the bathroom and there would be times where i just didn't want to leave the bathroom and i laid on the floor curled up it was really hard and then i think it was that wednesday night i was like i've had enough i gotta go check myself in so i checked myself in on thursday and then i went back on friday and got some iv so friday was the first day i actually went outside i went to the four keys talk by endurance nation and then i met our friends down at the opening ceremonies. Was that Friday? I think it was Friday. That was after you got the IV. So you were starting to feel better at that point. Yeah. But let's talk about, I want to break it down a little bit. So during this week, you're dealing with the physical, you're dealing with it. How are you feeling? And how, this is what people want to know. How are you detaching? How are you not going into the future saying, oh my God, am I going to race or not race? How are you doing this? I was super in the moment. So I was trying to take each moment of my day, which was in the hotel room, and just constantly work on that moment right there. I wasn't trying to go too far ahead. I didn't even register until Friday because I just wanted to take it every morning. How do I feel when I wake up? Afternoon, how am I feeling? At night, how am I feeling right now? I didn't want to go to Sunday morning and say, if I feel like this, well, what's going to happen? Did your mind go there though? Very few times, very few times. My observation of you, um, and I did express it to some people, and I don't know if, unless you were there, if you could really uh, encapsulate how, what a master you were. I just watched you, and you truly were in the moment. I know you very well. I've known you for 20 years. And this was the most amazing example of living a mindful life of being a warrior, of being a master. Like you were practicing mastery and you were sharing with me that you were pulling a lot of strength from experience that you've had. Experience, yeah, from two years ago. And I, you know, going back, you know, I like to be in the moment, but the back two years ago was a very pivotal moment in my life. When you missed the same race. I missed the same race. And due to a lower back injury. So it was a physical uh, thing that time. I guess this one was physical as well. But I came out of that experience not wanting to be that person again. because To, to I, go that low. To, I was super low and I didn't feel the vibe. You were out racing that day and, and I, you know, I couldn't enjoy it as much as I did enjoy this race. I was, I was in pure joy on race day. And all the way until the midnight finishers. 
this 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 just, time around but, yeah but two years ago i was really low and i didn't know how to get out i didn't have a, a steady meditation practice i know that and i didn't really have confidence in myself to pull out of this because i was so attached to the race to triathlon to finishing to getting to kona to being as fit as i can be because how am i ever going to be here again all those things so you're saying that you were attached to this race as well. But it seems that it wasn't as severe as last time. Did you not feel as much emotion? What what was different between that, missing that race, and missing this race? I've been working a lot on myself in meditation. After that experience, I'm on a... I, been working steadily, you know, meditating every day. And I, and I work with our meditation teacher uh, bi-weekly. And part of the root of my attachment sometimes is insecurity and lack of confidence. And so when I'm in meditation and I sit quietly with myself, I'm able to really get deep down sometimes and, and figure out what are those feelings I'm having. Like, why do I feel the need to attach to triathlon and the outcome of a race? Is it for other people? Is it for uh, the investment of money? Is it tied to the money that, that we put into these races? Is it my fitness? You know, that's when I hear all the time. Am I going to be fit again like this? Of course you are. And I have absolutely 100% belief that I can exist without triathlon. With that knowledge and confidence, I know the journey is going to be so much more fruitful at the end. I know that workout I did today is going to help me for whatever next race I do. It doesn't matter if it's today, if it's next week, if it's this year. I may not race this year. Hopefully I do. But all these experiences are going to build up towards something in the future. And if you can detach from that, and I talked a little bit about it in my video too, if you can detach from the time element, of when this is going to happen, really all you're doing is experiencing life and understanding yourself in the moment. And so if you're understanding this journey and you're on it and you're happy and you're getting fit and you're doing the things you love, the end is going to come. It's, it's going to come. And I guess it's a little bit of belief. Belief that what you're doing is what you should be doing. So I guess it even goes deeper into uh, self-reflection. Are you doing what you truly love to do? Stop doing the things that people expect you to do. And I think once I got away from those uh, thought processes, so my family came up and visited two years ago and I was like, they're here and I'm not racing. Um, I invested $800 into this race. I was really fit going into this race and you know, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough time to build up into the training again to be fit as I am right now. Those ideas were in the past. Now I know it's just one more notch. I just did a whole six month training session for Ironman Lake Placid. I feel fit, I feel strong, and I'll get it on the next one. And I don't want this one event, Ironman Lake Placid or any event, to define me whether I'm successful or not successful at it. I will far exceed the race. The race is, as you saw, we talked about this. Iron Man came in, they set up, they had the race, and they were gone. We saw the whole thing. It came and went. But you know what? I'm still here, and I'm still fit, and I'm confident that come next race, whatever that may be, I'm going to be ready again. And you know what? Something else may happen. That's fine. I'm just going to learn from it and grow from it because I don't want these experiences to stop me. You know, I actually... I don't encourage them, but I am open to them and receptive to them because I'm going to come out the other side more experienced. I can speak to all of this right now. I can speak to what kind of diet to use when you're feeling sick. I can, I can talk to what are the symptoms when you start to have something in your belly. I can speak to how to train for five weeks um, without a pool. Like all these life experiences I can now speak to firsthand and it wouldn't have happened. And I was out there and able to support our athlete, Heather Ryan, completing her first Ironman. 
So you had um, said something before we started podcasting about how how you approached the day, the actual race day, how you approached it. You threw yourself into support of Heather. What helped me get out of my experience of, uh, two years ago was to dive into community and giving back. And that's when I started to coach people. I started to coach your cousin and anybody who was open to it. I went to go volunteer at races. And that actually has carried through to this day. And it was a good reminder on race day, I'm here for someone. I was not supposed to race. I was supposed to be out there looking for Heather, checking her times, um, and Sean and Dirk and all our friends out there. Uh, the connections we made on social media, the people we met in town. Yeah, Lindsay and Brittany and Elizabeth. And Brian. Yeah, and Jeff and all those people that were there for them to see you on the sidelines, number one, every single one of them when they saw you on the sidelines was like, oh man. But then I saw something else happen that they were like, they had a boost of energy, like I'm gonna do this for you. Like I saw that with every single person out there because that's how much people love you. And um, you did throw yourself into service that day to to root on other people and it was just, such an, like, I am not bullshitting at all. I have never seen such amazing practice that you exemplified that week. And it is, it's practice. And that you have come out stronger. And so you had this really cool experience where you said to me, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in this like detachment. I want to be able to, so again, like in this, air of service because you wanted to help explain it to people because everybody was asking you through email, through text, through phone, through social media, how are you doing this? How are you attaching that? How are you detaching? And so you said to me, I just, I'm just going to sit in meditation and I'm going to, I just want to understand this. How do I attach? How do I explain the how of what I just did? And that you came out of it with this idea of removing the time. Yeah, and I, I, I would have not come to that point if I didn't do my meditation. And it wasn't just one meditation. I think it was two or three straight days where I was really going in and figuring out, how can I explain this to someone? What, what is it that allowed me to do this? Because you know, people can say, oh, yeah, yeah, great job. Like, that's good. You know, you were able to detach. But how? How did you detach from something you were so committed to that you put so much hard work into that you you paid money for that you put out on social media and you invested all of this energy into blood sweat and tears how did you let it just pass and time came to me so if if we are invested in our goals and my goal is to eventually get to kona and it's it's a it's a challenging goal, but it's something I want to aspire to, and and I'm working towards it every day. But if you remove the timeline, which I did have at one point, I think I said I want to get there when I'm 40. I've removed the timeline. I just want to enjoy triathlon and training. And what is the what is the root of what brings me joy? Training and racing and coaching others. That is what I like to do. That's what I love to do. When I get to Kona, I don't know when that's going to happen. If you remove the time element, you remove that pressure. And you truly absorb yourself in what you love. And on that day, I truly wanted to be out there enjoying the Ironman experience. I didn't want to sit in a hotel room and pout or be upset or um, think, what if um, this didn't happen? And and let me say, it was perfect conditions for me. It was sunny out. It was warm. There was no wind. And it was it would have been ideal conditions for me for what we, I'm suited for. We were having a little laugh about that on race day because I said to you, this is everything you wished for. You just forgot to ask if you could be a part of it. <laughs> Can I participate, please? It was everything you wished for. It was tough, hot conditions, which a lot of people don't like and you love. It was everything you asked for, but you just didn't get to be a part of it. Like but, you got that part of it, but you didn't get to be a part of it. But I was a part of it as a spectator. And 
I would not want to be in a hotel room. I want to be out there. I was out there almost the whole day uh, walking around and trying to meet people and getting on the hill and smiling. And, and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to see all my friends and, and people out there. And I, and I wanted to see Heather and I wanted to see Leah um, succeed. And it was no problem. It was 100% genuine that I wanted to be out there and to see these athletes pushing themselves. And then the thing I always talk about is the midnight finishers. I wanted to be there and not miss one beat of Mike Riley ca calling in those final finishers. And we got our, I saw Heather's finish. And then I quickly went over and met you at our usual spot right by the finish line. And oh, I couldn't stop smiling or dancing and just being a part of it. Like that supersedes the race experience. And whether that's good karma and, and it'll come back to me, that's great. That's icing. But I just want to be a part of these experiences. And I would even consider going to all U.S. Ironman races just to go to the finish line and, and spectate and, and cheer these people on because the accomplishment is, is so amazing. And if you have not been to the finish line of an Ironman, it's an absolute must-do doesn't matter where it is get to one Blake Placid's is is remarkable and and so energetic and you can just feel the vibe but if you can get there at that time because you can feel the pain and the effort on people's faces as they're going down the finisher shoot and Mike Riley is unshakable he is so happy and his energy you just you just pull off of it and I can't think of a better place I'd want to be at midnight than during an Ironman. And you just said one of my favorite words when I teach um, spirituality, meditation, yoga, is being unshakable. And that's really what this path leads you, is to be unshakable no matter what happens. And regardless of the, the attachment that happened, you were unshakable that week because you just took moment to moment and you saw it from this trained mind which the trained mind just sees everything in its pristine state that this is what's happening right now the untrained mind sees it attaches an emotion and then blows it up and then we get into the am i ever going to be fit again and we, we we get into what you experienced two years ago which is really the beautiful thing about that injury is that it really sparked your meditation practice and you have been unshakable in your meditation practice since then. But what I want people to understand is that when we get like that and we start going down that dark hole in the me, why me, poor me, only me, I'm all alone, it is, we are so self-absorbed. And all you're doing is just checking off the win box for the ego. It's pulling you into the darkness and you are lending your hand to be pulled down there. It's so self-absorbed. And I'm not saying that it's easy and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to go there because I've been there and I have so much compassion for anyone who's going down that dark alley. So I say this with endless abundance of love and understanding but to look at it as self-absorption, right? Which is really what the ego is. It wants to be seen as this, as my teacher Philip says, this separate autonomous being that when we are injured, when we are taken out, that we feel so alone, but we're not alone because when you see that transition area, when everybody's on the bike, you see all the other bikes of the people who didn't show up that day. So that's one way to, to see that you were not alone that day. You were not alone because everyone around you was supporting you and they were in awe of, of, of what you were doing. And we are never alone. And this is what you always have to remind yourself. This is why it's the warrior path. It is easier to be self-absorbed. It's easier. We are conditioned to live in a state of lack that we are not enough. We're conditioned from a very young age. 
So this is our conditioning. But every time you choose a way, moment to moment, and that's how you have to take it, especially in the most intense times, when every time you choose a way, you start to widen that neuro pathway in your brain. I mean, science now knows that the brain has a quality to it known as neuroplasticity. We can change our ways. So if you are somebody that struggles with depression or somebody who struggles with attachment, if this is speaking to you, or somebody who struggles with feeling alone, you can change that through this type of practice of just being mindful. And one thing that my teacher always says to me is that, and and you read it in in scripture as well, is that you cannot go down this path alone. You need a teacher. We need teachers. And this is how the lineage of um of teachings gets passed along like we are here to either to meet our teacher or to be the teacher and in many cases if not all we are both so you need that support and just having that teacher is going to make you not feel alone but if you start to look at that as self-absorption it's almost like oh like when i started looking at it that way i was like oh that's awful I don't want to be so self-absorbed. When you look at all those bikes there for people who weren't out racing, or when you went into urgent care and the doctor said, if it helps any, we just had another athlete come in. When you said that to me, I just my heart just bleeded for that person because gosh, somebody else is suffering the same as you, you know, with the same physical thing. However, they were suffering mentally, I don't know. I wish we could have found them and brought them into our little sweet and and helped them heal. But what I want to point out is, um, and this goes along with you just choosing away from that self-absorption this time, you weren't feeling good on race day at all, at no. any point in the day. And I want to make that really known. I mean, when we were on the hill, you were like, where's the nearest bathroom? And um, so Just describe how you made the call that morning because we kept the dream alive. I mean, we were putting Vaseline in special needs bags at nine o'clock at night the night before. Yeah, I I was ready to go. I racked my bike Saturday. I I didn't do my typical swim, bike, run, obviously. I just uh, brought my- You did nothing for five days. Tell them about how, like when you weighed in. So when I, so I registered or I checked in on Friday, early afternoon and- I went to go get, you know, packet and all of that. And they weighed me in and I still had my t-shirt and shorts on and uh, Ufos sandals. I weigh myself when we were, you know, living in Newport, I, I weighed myself pretty consistently. So I know, you know, after I eat, after I work out, I know pretty much where my weight is. When I weighed in at Ironman, like Placid, I was six to seven pounds lighter than I normally am. And that was with clothes on. So I can only imagine I was probably eight or nine pounds underweight. So literally everything in my body was out of me, food, water. I was dehydrated for sure. And it just was an eye opener. But, but we were keeping the dream alive. But I kept alive. the dream alive. I checked my bike in on Saturday. We kept saying anything is possible. Sure. Anything is possible. Yeah, it's Iron Man. Anything is possible. Right. And so I checked my bags in. It was kind of surreal because I was putting sho- my shoes in Ziploc bags. I was, I went down there and I racked my my bike and run bags. It was, it was still in the moment. Like this could still happen. And I had my pre race dinner and got up the next day, and went through the motion. And got up at three thirty. Had my breakfast. Had my Gatorade drink and just this is what I would do. And then 10, 15 minutes after I had that, it was not good. So that's when I knew I crawled back into bed and I was like, I don't think this is going to happen because I either had to get down to transition or I wasn't going to make it in time. And that's really when I made the call. And I think you asked me, like, you you don't feel better. I'm like, I feel worse. And that's when I knew my body was just not going to let me do this. And, And I even considered maybe starting the swim or just seeing how that went. But the weight kept coming back into mind and, and doing damage to my body for the future kept and I, coming And I into. said to you, how would it feel to be standing shoulder to shoulder in a wetsuit for an you know, unknown amount of time without a portage on right next to you? And you were like, 
no, I don't think <laughs> I don't think this is gonna happen. I think that's a scary, scary thought when you're in a distressed state like this. Yeah, it wasn't gonna work. And you came back into the room that morning and you kind of fell on the bed and you were moaning. And I said, um, do you feel better or worse? And you said, I feel worse. And I said, well, there's the gift. Like, There's the gift. You felt worse. There was no question you were not racing. And so you made the decision. In the moment. And we said, let's just go back to bed. We'll miss the swim start. Let's just go back to bed. And we tried. And like five, I'm laying there <laughs> looking at the, my eyes opening and just knowing the scene that's going on outside. And both of us were like, we got to go down. We got to go. And so we rallied and got Clark ready and we headed down. And we actually saw the start from the okay. a place that we've always thought would be cool to see the swim start. And we went to the coffee bean um, down on uh, Main Street and it's got the beautiful view of the swim course and yet it was foggy and we didn't see much for a little while but the fact that we were the only two there for a while like private front row seating to see the swim yeah and we just kind of soaked it up and you kind of were feeling a little bit of weight but you're gonna feel that it's not about not feeling having a feeling of um something that we would call disappointment or having a feeling of something that we would call sadness it's what is your relationship when that feeling shows up what are you going to do with it and i didn't want to go i didn't i don't want to feed it i didn't want to feed it so what do you do in those moments what did you do in that moment like when a feeling like that comes up how take a breath slow down because your mind is spiraling you're starting to go into the future. You're starting to go into maybe some past patterns, you know, of poor me and why me. And and if you just take a breath, it centers you. It brings you right back there instantly. And I start to think about being with you right there, talking to the lady who was from San Diego, looking at the the view of the race course and just and just realizing that this thing is bigger than me. Again, I would probably when you have those thoughts, you're self-absorbed. You're, you're starting to internalize things. So I take a breath and maybe another breath. And it just slows things down for me. And I'm able to gather myself and then refocus and come back. And I think that stems from the meditation because in meditation, I do breathing for the first 10 minutes. It's just focus on the breath in, focus on the breath out. And that really brings me to present moment. And then I can start de to dive into my thought process. What's What are my thoughts that are coming in and out? So it's, I think it's really the breath. So I think what you're, you're saying, what you are exemplifying and the way that you were able to function that week is because of your practice, because you have created new neural pathways in your brain and that you believe in yourself now and that you understand that you can make choices in a moment to go down the dark hole or to walk the warrior path. In the warrior path, I'm starting to use that more and more because I really truly believe- You are so understanding the war. I know you are. I am on this path. I know you, you're, I'm on. you're really starting so, to feel it. I'm on this train and I don't want to get off because these experiences, are teaching me so much about myself and my thought process and teaching me about others and teaching me about what I truly love. Why am I here? You know, that's another question I ask in meditation a lot. Like, who am I and why am I here? And Bob, our meditation teacher, has given me that. And, and I address it every now and then. I haven't come out, obviously, with a solution and, a, and I don't expect to, but it gets me to think about things. And again, it brings back you know, what the whole Ride the High Vibe tour and, and everything that we're doing is to simplify. The less we have, the more we can focus on the quality of things. And I even think, I even think that was going into my prep for, the, for race day when we were putting stuff together in bags. I had nothing special needs run or special needs bike, except for maybe like Advil or just small things. Whereas before I would have tons of things. And it was just like simplifying. What is tr truly the things that you need? And I think even that diet I was on, you know, I was eating bananas, applesauce, and rice. But again, it just brought me back to 
here and now, breathing, focusing on my meditation practice, and believing in myself that I am this self-contained human body that I'm in, spiritual being in a human body, right, is is all I really need. This is This is me right here. This is me. This is what I focus on. Everything else is a nice little sensory aspect here, you know, sensory thrill here. And I just know that all of this here, I'm, I'm completely cool with, you know, I've worked on it. It's solid and I'm working, I'm working more and more on it. It's becoming more and more solid. And I feel like it can transcend anything, any brick wall that appears, I'll be able to get over it, around it or through it. And I guess that's the confidence I've been working on. Yeah, it sounds like you, I've never heard you talk like this. It sounds like you've, you're moving through it. You're in flow. And so that's what I saw you. I saw you last week in flow. And what we had start, started to learn, um, we didn't understand at the time that it was preparing us for this experience was that we had our plan, you know, of what we were going to do in a day or what we were going to do on the tour or, but that plan has always been pretty loose because we're on the path and we understand that, you know, but more so than ever, I saw like this lower level human plan and then the divine schedule maker, right? And that our plan didn't line up with what the divine schedule maker had this time. On the plan. This time. This time. But there's so many wins throughout every single day that I see now because now that we've removed all the distraction and stuff from our life, I have so much more clarity of seeing all of the wins that happen that could be so much worse, you know? And, but it's seeing the wins and it's seeing the intensity of the challenges that we get and it's seeing those the same and that's where the mastery comes in and we're and we're working on it so can i share a little bit about my experience that week please do yeah of course for me what i learned about detachment is that it doesn't necessarily happen as you're envisioning um, and setting a goal and setting the intention. When I see that I'm attached and where I work with the detachment is in the moment of when it's all going down. So when you were, you know, curled up in a fetal position underneath the sink, I was getting up for sunrise and it was full moon. So I meditated at night at the full moon and then I got up for sunrise the next morning, even though I was exhausted. And I walked up to the hill beneath the Crown Plaza, which is a beautiful place to meditate with Clark. And I just got so much clarity on what attachment looked like. And it it was so, so simple that I understood that I was attached simply because all of this seemed like such a shock. Like, wait a minute, whoa, what's happening? Like it was take, it was rattling me on the rails that I thought it was supposed to be another way. And that to me shows that I was attached. I didn't realize it as we were setting the attention and all the beautiful things and the support I was giving you in your training that we were envisioning, but we were also attaching. I saw it in the moment just from the simple fact that there was a part of me that believed it should have been another way, that what was happening to you was a mistake. And so that's when we see the attachment is in those moments where we're not in, in flow, I guess, in a sense that we should think it's supposed to be another way. And the where I practice the detachment is in those moments where there was that part of me that was just wanted to scream so loud. I mean, I could have like ripped a car in two. Like that part of me was, it was in me that I wanted so bad for you to have that run on River Road. That I wanted you to have that amazing swim that we had imagined and I could 
feel that part of me, that little voice. And when I talked to um, Bob about it in my session recently, he said, that's the ego. It's, it's trying to have that voice. It's, it's always there saying, come on, buy into me, feed me. I want your energy. And it's so, it takes such strength in that moment to just, the only thing I could do was feel my breath. And so in those meditations, I would, that voice was just there and I would just be in my breath and recite my mantra that I use and feel a sense of gratitude for the immense amount of clarity that I was getting on this human condition that I'm experiencing as I live in this body. And so I was able to practice detachment on a higher level than I ever have. I was able to see attachment on a higher level than I ever have. And um, also see all of the years of my meditation and mindfulness practice to see the progress that I have made. And so that was a huge win to say, damn, this shit works and I'm living it. And I know people are, are seeing that. And I, and I, um, and that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast and I just want to share so authentically. But there was so much in there that I was able to see. And um, I'm really, really grateful for the experience, even though it was one of the toughest weeks I've experienced in a while. Would you, ex- would yeah, you explain? Yeah, it, it was a tough week. It was, it was, it was tough. The, the role of support within the air of suffering, which I have now had to experience, you know, a couple times with you pretty intensely when you had your big injury. I mean, I'm, we're supporting each other all the time and supporting our athletes all the time, but the intensity of those two have, whoa, they have just shot me so high into a level of vibration um, that I know I can sustain. Yeah, it's that confidence. You have the confidence through experience. You would not have those experiences if I didn't go through my experiences, right? And this is why this is the agreement that you and I made, our souls made in a life. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that our souls have been working together for a long time. And then in the whatever the last life, we were like, all right, we're going into this one. We're going to get it done. And it took us you know, 25 years to to reconnect in this life to get whatever we needed to do done. And now we're here and we're teamed up and it's like, you're working through your stuff. And because of that, I get to work through my stuff and then I'm working through my stuff. And because of that, you get to work through your stuff. And it's all because we are willing to sit and reflect on ourselves and how we're functioning and the way that our mind works. Yeah, it's giving, it's giving in and giving surrendering surrendering and i think once you surrender and stop fighting it i could have completely fought this whole oh my god i could have fought it so good i could have fought it so good but it was just accept it move on (laughs) like what's the next step i need to do okay we need to move into a hotel what's the next thing we need to do we need to buy white rice what's the next thing we need to do you need to lay down like everything was like step by step like we need to go to the front desk and get more toilet paper (laughs) and i kept thinking about um if if anyone's listening, if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> we hope you are. We hope someone out there is. And if you haven't listened to my podcast with Philip Urso, I kept thinking about my conversation with him about um, the level of being in flow. Any athlete, any human needs to listen to that episode. It's really, really powerful. And he talks about you know accepting kind of like how that's kind of like a lower level of flow because you're like I'm accepting it, but you know, uh, it still should have been the other way. And I was experiencing some of that. And then there was a part of it, which I think we moved into in, in, in the end, for sure, where you're welcoming it, where you welcome all things. And when you welcome all things, all things welcome you in. And I, and I believe that we entered a state of flow at some point with this, um, and we may have gone in and out of it. But to see you on race day, um, just being out there so beautifully supporting and selfless and not self-absorbed in your own story, that I think that was so healing for you. And so one jab that we talked about was, you know, how 
boy, what a what an extra jab you had because you were able to come up here and really immerse yourself, you know, into the community. There was so many community members that were texting us and emailing us like, "How's BJ? I, did, I saw you didn't start." And it's like, "Oh man, it's like a whole new level of of people now that love you." And um and then the second jab that we kind of felt like we got was in the days following the race where you like within 24 hours after the race, you really started feeling good. Yeah, I started feeling better. <laughs> I th- physically, you know, with the stomach, I, and I was able to eat and get back to the greens and the smoothies and all of that was good. My legs were not feeling good. So I just want to clarify. Like, yeah, I mean, you did nothing was, for five, six, seven days. Yeah, or I was like that. flat off my feet and, and that definitely took a toll. Yeah. But But physically, like my stomach and all of that was coming around and it was like, if I had 40, if the race was one week later, potentially I probably could have, could have participated and, and the outcome, who knows what would have happened, but everything happens for a reason. I, I firmly believe this now and I've accepted it and I'm going to learn, I, I've learned a lot from this experience and I'm going to take a lot of this with me into my next race. There's a video I did too on YouTube uh, under Yogi Triathlete that yeah. speaks to it a little bit more. Uh, I encourage you to listen to that and, and ask us questions if, if something um, needs clarification or you have some feedback. We'd love to hear from you because that's just one, that's just my perspective on what I learned from from detachment and you may have something else and I'd love to hear it. Um, yeah, and I think that video, um, at least the experience that you had in meditation I think that was like the first time that I witnessed you really having a download of wisdom. And that's what happens once you start getting into a regular practice is you start to get these downloads of wisdom, which is super cool. Um, But I just want to touch upon um, one more thing with detachment. Um, These things show up in our life because we are supposed to master them. So if you can do what you've done and what I believe I've done um, with these kind of major intense events that we've had leading up into races is if you can grow from them and process them and, and work with them on, you know, even a notch higher every time, you know, and this is the beauty of the mind you take from the experience you had before and what you learned and you put it to work. You're going to, those experiences are going to start to fall away. But the more that you go down that road of self-absorption and poor me and I'm never going to be fit again and I'm never going to race again, all you do is say to the universe, okay, give me more of this because I'm not learning. So to think of this world as anything besides a school is, um, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's just, it's an, it's an immature way to look at the world. It really is. And I don't mean that in any kind of insulting way whatsoever because I certainly lived most of my life looking at the world in a very different way than I look at it now we are here to learn things and these things don't happen to you because you have bad luck or anything like that it's the same thing about um, your gifts your beautiful talents and your skills and the things that you love you're here to share those and the challenges that you have in your life you're here to overcome those and you're here to learn from them so that you can teach others right so that you can become the teacher I guess what I'm saying is, you know, like nip it in the bud, man. Like just get it done in the moment. Do the best you can in that moment and you will you will start to supersede what you're here to to master because you will become the master of yourself. I love how you put that. Cuz I feel like I am on that path of ma- of self-mastery. Yeah. I, I- you know, it's constant work and progress. And doesn't every athlete want to be a master? Like this I, yeah, is, I know I do. this is yogi triathlete, you guys. Like you're not athletes because you're lazy. Like you guys have will and discipline. You got everything you do to be a master. Let's do it. Like get on board, man. We're going to, we're, we got room on the bus, right? Let's do it. So um, what's next? Tell us what's next. What do how did you come to this decision of what you're doing? So we, we toss around a lot of ideas. You know, I, I do want to race. I feel like I'm ready to race after a few weeks of getting back into training. And we've thrown a th- few things around, Coeur d'Alene. Um, and I definitely want to do Ironman. So Coeur d'Alene is an option, which would be funny because that was the race we did when we lived in 
Boulder. We we did it a few times. It's pretty close, so I don't know if that's an option. And then we thought about Cozumel because we had done that last year, and it would give me enough time, plenty of time to get back into shape. And it's a known course, and we're going to be in Arizona, so um, at that point, and we could leave Clark and and. With yeah, we could do it. And the Iron Cowboy, and the Iron James Cowboy. Lawrence, was calling you out. Yeah, he's getting me I think fired up. He still wants you to go down yeah, there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's he loves that race. And we chatted about it a lot when he came to Rhode Island for uh, for his 50-50-50 um, campaign last year. Um, we had plenty of time to talk together, uh, talk talk about stuff. And but I think what's going to happen is we're we are changing our plans a little bit, and we're going to reroute. And we're going to head to Ironman Louisville, uh, October 9th. Heck yeah. So that's 10 weeks away from now. Um, and we are going to make our way there. And, and and that could change too. You know, who knows? But that's the next that's the next stop. So Ironman Louisville, here we come. Yep. The intention is set and the vision is going. And, um, you know, we're going to keep the dream alive and understand that there is that divine schedule maker that we have run into face to face. And um, and we're just going to see. We're going to reroute. So we're not going to go as south as we thought we were going to go. We're going to be going through um, West Virginia. We'll be making our way down like Philly, D.C., West Virginia, Louisville. Then we're going to go Nashville. Um, Oklahoma. We are going to Colorado, Boulder friends. We're going to Colorado. We're going to Park City. We're going to go down and see the Iron Cowboy. And then um, we're going to head into Arizona. That is our plan. And we hope that that also aligns with the divine plan that uh, we know is already set. So any final words, Beej, on this? Because it's such a big topic. And I think it's Um, One that a lot of people are ready to listen to. We've been getting um, a lot of requests to go in deeper with it. So any final words on this? Absolutely. If you sit with yourself quietly each day, make a commitment, start with one minute, sit quietly, breathe, and continue to progress each day. Maybe you do two minutes, maybe you do up to five minutes, maybe on the weekend, you mimic your long workout with a long uh, reflection of 10 or 15 minutes. Whatever the time is, if you can just carve out just a little bit every day and sit with yourself and watch the thoughts come in and out, don't block them. Watch the thoughts come in and out. You're going to have questions. You're going to go into inquiry about yourself. You're going you're gonna to naturally figure out as an athlete's mind is like, how did I get here? How can I, how can I work with this? What, what does this all mean? And don't put any hard pressure on yourself. If you can just sit quietly and just see where things end up. That's exactly what I did. And I'm up to, uh, I think 30 minutes uh, daily now, but I always enjoy getting into that meat of the meditation where I'm inquiring about the thoughts that are coming through my mind and what they what do they mean what what can I pull from it what should I dive into deeper what do I need to work on and just see it because when you see yourself from that perspective you start to realize some of the thoughts you have are so crazy that the only person that worries about it is you nobody else cares you know a lot of the thoughts you have are just self self-inflicted I guess you could say and so I've started to think about this um, more and trying to put it into words so I think the easiest thing to do is to just sit there quietly and it doesn't have to be for a long time it doesn't have to be a, a special space just sit there and take a breath a few breaths and you'll see these thoughts come through and eventually the longer and the more you do it the more you build confidence in the fact that you have control over your actions and your thoughts. I hope that helps some people. Yeah, and I just want to close with um, something that the day after the race, I shared this with you. I had picked up Autobiography of a Yogi, which is one of my favorite books. I've read it probably five times at this point, and I highly recommend it um, for anyone. It's especially if it's something that's come into your awareness before 
then it's definitely something you need to read. And there's this part where Yogananda is with his teacher, Sri Yukteswar, and he just is soaking up all of his wisdom. He asks him to tell him stories about his childhood. So Yukteswar tells him three different stories, and each of them has a moral. And the second story that he tells him is about how when he was younger, he wanted his neighbor's dog, who was so ugly. And he was in turmoil for weeks because he was trying to figure out how to get this dog. And there was other people who were offering pets that were more attractive and were available. But he was so dead set on getting his neighbor's dog, which was never meant to be his. And the moral of the story, he says, is, and this is a quote from the book, attachment is blinding. It lends an imaginary halo of attractiveness to the object of desire. So we're just going to leave that with you to marinate. And catch you on the next show. or what? I'm telling you, I was blown away at the wisdom that was flowing through that human we call BJ. I've been with this man since the beginning of his triathlon career and meditation practice, and I can say without hesitation that this guy is advancing at a very rapid rate, and so can you. Like BJ said, start with one minute a day. Consistency is everything in life. And as far as change is concerned... That is only available in the present moment, no other place. It's the choices we make every moment that craft our future. And our future is not months or years down the line. It's the next moment we're about to experience. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for all your support. You guys, you have no idea how you are helping us grow and spread the message So please keep sharing the high vibe with everyone you meet. This is how we change the world one person at a time. Everything you do counts. And share that high vibe with yourself because it all starts there. And don't forget to get to iTunes, leave the review, and get yourself entered to win the ultimate in footwear recovery. We've been feeling the ooh for months now, and I have to say, I'm never going back. Okay, that's it for this episode. Ride the high vibe, you guys. No matter what, and especially when you don't want to.